HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Magnifico Radio, the weekly podcast featuring conversations in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. This is our third season on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kate Black. Each week, I sit down with designers, makers, and leaders at the forefront of sustainability to discuss their journeys and motivation. This podcast is an extension of my blog, Magnifico.com, and that's Magnifico.com, and my book, also called Magnifico, Your Head-to-Toe Guide to Ethical Fashion and Non-Toxic Beauty. Today's guest is passionate about transforming apparel production by pioneering new models for social impact within global supply chains. He made his first big splash in the world of ethical fashion as the co-founder of Pact Apparel, an award-winning organic basics brand with retail partners such as Whole Foods and Nordstrom. Pack Apparel was built as a brand that differentiated itself by manufacturing its garments in a transparent supply chain and improving the lives of cotton farmers and garment workers around the world. And now he's moved on to co-found the Renewal Workshop, a company offering industry-wide solutions to optimize the value of resources invested in apparel. The Renewal Workshop partners with apparel brands to refurbish their unsellable returns and excess inventory at its own state-of-the-art factory in Oregon, creating a category of renewed apparel. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So you're not the first MBA to sit in that chair. And while most people who head to business school are usually thinking of banking or consulting, I'm always fascinated by the ones who are drawn to fashion. How did you, how did you get into fashion? Well, for, for me, fashion actually started back in when I was working in uh, product design and development. Before business school, I was in uh, Asia quite often helping uh, products get manufactured, everything from forks to furniture. And I was just fascinated by how we make the stuff that we use every day. It's just amazing to me how our knives get manufactured. We never even think about that. And I was over there in a lot of terrible factories. And uh, when I got when I was there, I got connected to folks actually from The Gap and learned about manufacturing apparel from the factory floor. 
And that's what inspired me to get into fashion was I was just fascinated by everyday clothing and how we make it and wanting to be able to make it better. And so did you, did that lead you to business school thinking that, okay, I need the tools to kind of take this to the next level or how did that kind of, how did that segue? Yeah, I had a mechanical engineering degree and lots of experience in product design and development and manufacturing and felt like something needed to be done. Like I was being drawn to do some sort of business, but felt like I had absolutely no sort of quote unquote hard business skills. Like I had never accounted for anything, you know? And so the, I was like, well, I'm missing this whole money part. And, uh, that's what took me to business school. Uh, and I'm really glad that I went. It was an incredible experience. It was not just a, a academic education, but a practical one. And then an opening to a huge network. And then after, right after business school is when you launched PAC. That's right. It actually was a project in business school for me and for my co-founder, Jason Kibbe. Uh, we turned it into every project in every class we took. We turned it into projects for classes we didn't take. So we'd have our, our colleagues at business school making it into a, a project. And it, was, uh, it, took, it takes a village, right? And so everyone was really behind it and really knew what we wanted to do. And then right out of school, we were kind of like, well, I guess we have to do this. <laughs> like we've come this far with it. It's a thing. Everyone's encouraging us. So let's go and see if we can make it happen. It's amazing. And it's amazing because it's like one of the first brands that brought um, organic basics mainstream. So you can buy it at Whole Foods everywhere. Mm-hmm. You were one of the first um, fair trade certified factories. So not only were you using organic fair trade certified cotton, but then you actually could do something about the supply chain. Was that always your intention that you were going to figure out a way to get the factory certified? Actually, fair trade really came along um, when we were sort of deep inside of the business of of Pact, and we uh, were manufacturing things in Turkey and looking to expand our manufacturing base. And when we went um, to start looking at factories in India, because that's where so much of the organic cotton um, came from, we just uh, stumbled upon the 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 right factory owner and the right factory, and um, started working with them and with them and a few other brands like Prana, we were able to work with Fairtrade to create that as the pilot facility for Fairtrade factory for apparel. And uh, yeah, Patagonia, Prana, uh, and Pact were really the first three uh, apparel companies to bring Fairtrade apparel to the U.S. market. And that's actually how I met my co-founder now, Nicole Bassett, as she was the director of sustainability for Prana at the time. It's, it's all interconnected, this world. So Jason Kibbe's gone on to head up the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, and you've gone on now to start this new project with Nicole called the Renewal Workshop. So let's talk about how that came to be, because you partner now with the world's best-loved apparel brands and retailers to renew their unsellable returns and excess inventory. How did you decide that that was going to be a business? Yeah, you know, it was, it was really fascinating... Um, to see this business model emerge over time from our experience inside of brands. Nicole and I both had spent most of our careers overseas working inside factories, trying to make things better, use organic, be transparent, have certified social standards, have fair trade. 
and we would see so much value go into the product itself. And then on this side of the world, we would see so much of it end up getting wasted because the apparel industry is a linear system. So we take, we make, we use, and then we dump. And the problem really was that there's just no system in place to even help apparel brands not dump. And what we realized was that the uh, the apparel brands themselves would love a solution. And that's where we started really looking at, well, what is their big problem? And one of their huge problems is, is that they collect so much unsellable product, returns, damages, defects, manufacturer stuff. It, it could get wet on the boat. You can't sell it. It can get dirty in the retail store. Customer could buy something and return it with a missing button. And the apparel brand is left holding this without a needle and thread here in the U.S. to fix it. And what was happening is this just piles up in the warehouse until finally it needs to go somewhere. And it ends up a lot of time going to landfill. Yes, it's been actually documented by a couple of brands got caught, you know, kind of unceremoniously ripping their labels out of usable and and wearable clothes and and just kind of sending it to the landfill. So you're creating this awesome solution that will help brands keep things into a stream that they were meant to. Because McKinsey came out with a report in October on the state of fashion. And they had they gave this kind of shocking number that three fifths of all apparel produced will end up in landfill or incinerator within its first year of life. So, like that's sixty percent. That's shocking, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so when I when I read that, and then I, I was, was at the same time that you were doing your Indiegogo campaign, and I just kind of thought, okay, well, we've talked a lot on this show about um, pre-consumer. We've talked a lot about um, zero waste design. We've talked a lot about how retailers are trying to mitigate fashion waste leading up to the retail moment, but not after. And so now you've come along with this solution. How did you get brands to buy into? Send Sending you stuff, you ostensibly fix it, put a different label on it, or put a co-branded label on it, and then sell it again. So, how did you? Who was the first one who said, "Yes, I love this idea. Let's move forward." The very first brand to actually sign up and sign the contract was actually Ibex. Okay, uh, an amazing, beautiful wool brand out of Vermont, um, and their leadership just was totally behind the idea from the very beginning. And you know what's interesting is that they really believed in their product and they believe in the durability and the longevity of their product and the idea that it would come back to them with in a way that they couldn't sell it again was heartbreaking for them. And again, no system in place. It's like not to fault them. It's like, well, what do we do with this stuff? And so when we came up with the solution, they were like, we're in. And same with Prana followed, Toad & Co., Mountain Khakis, and Indigenous Designs were the first five brands that we signed up. And they all were sort of suffering from this non-system. And here we were creating a turnkey solution for them. And that's really what brands need is an external partner to, to manage this. And I have to give them a lot of credit. I mean, they're very brave. They put themselves in the, the, a leadership position in this idea of a circular economy for the apparel industry and um yeah they have i just give the leadership there a ton of credit and all those brands well and i think um 
And, and now it's kind of the onus is on the consumer, right? Because the consumer also has to get it. So we were talking earlier before the show and you said, you know, it's a little bit like Gore-Tex or Intel inside. Like when a consumer sees your label as well as the original brand label, they're going to know that you've kind of band-aided it or you've, you've, you've had some impact. Um, and by and large, that's because the supply chains are usually off offshore, right? So you can't really send it back where it came from to get it mended. So now it comes domestically, it comes to Oregon, you're creating jobs and, and this stuff is ending up back on the, on the market. And the consumer is getting this awesome price because so many times we have this conversation about ethical fashion and consumers are really, um, troubled by the price discrepancy between something that maybe is fast fashion or something they can buy at a department store versus something that has a little bit more social and environmental impact in mind. And so when they come to your site, they can find a great brand and at a cheaper price. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really strong point is that like it is a lot of times sustainability costs more, especially when you are a smaller brand, you don't have the buying power. It's expensive to manufacture in low quantities. And so, yeah, a lot of times ethical brands end up being more expensive, but this is exactly the point and why we want to work with larger and larger brands. And we have some amazing large brands coming on board this fall um, because this is a way for consumers to get, a you know renewed garment, a garment that has is is has a better environmental impact for the customer at a lower price, and brands want to stop discounting, which is a huge part of their business is 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 trying to sell more product to customers without having to discount it. So this is a way that brands can offer um, their own product at a lower price, but without you know constantly fifty percent off, seventy percent off. Please take it. Well, and if you're discounting for repairs, like it's one thing to be, to see it off, off the rack and you can say, see, oh, I could fix that myself or that's not so terrible. But when you're buying on e-com and so many brands are moving to a, a mostly e-com strategy, you can't decide how significant that missing button is going to be to you and your lifestyle. So at least this kind of, this circuitous route comes through you and then you still get this perfect product. Yeah. We like to say that we're the certified renewal partner for the brand and that's the whole trust and quality um, uh, factor of what we do. We, um, we develop a quality manual with the brand. We renew it to a quality that the brand certifies so that customers can actually uh, feel really confident that they are going to get exactly the same quality that they would have if the garment was new. We clean every single garment using liquid CO2 cleaning technology. It uses no water and no heat. It's There's only about six or eight of these machines in the world right now that like can do this. And so we're really, we're approaching this from like a high tech, you know, science standpoint, you know, like this is, there's a whole process behind what we're doing. We're not just bringing garments in and sewing buttons back on, but it's going through a process that really brings the garment back to almost as good as new. I can just imagine now that like that the lineup to partner must be getting longer. So how long is it going to take brands to onboard with you? Like what's the, what's the process and how long will it take? Yeah, it really depends what um, the size of the brand and where they are in their own, you know, sustainability journeys. Some brands have a really good understanding of what their waste is, um, what their, what their issues are. And we can partner really fast with those brands. So we can go from meeting them to being partners in about three months and getting their product renewed and back out to the market and then some 
major, huge brands are so complicated with legacy systems and multiple distribution centers. And it really requires us to go in and, and dig into their system and figure out how they operate. And we actually, we can spend six to 12 months with a large brand just mapping their end-of-use system before we get to a place where we truly understand how they can begin to work with us. So it can be a really long business development cycle with some of these big brands. But the idea here is not just to create a new product, it's to rethink our system at the end. That's what the Renewal Workshop ultimately does for a lot of these big brands is this is reorganizing our system. This is getting the brand to begin to think circular instead of linear. And that takes time inside these huge brands. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. We're back. You're listening to Magnifico Radio. I'm your host, Kate Black, and today I'm sitting with Jeff Denby from the Renewal Workshop. So, Jeff, I am often curious what it is about the upbringing of my guests that kind of led to this path, because not everybody is environmentally minded. Not everybody is ecologically driven. Is there something like, did you grow up with hippie parents or is there something in your background that kind of would have paved the way or indicated that this is how you were going to live your life? I think my parents are sort of like, what, what, how did this happen? My father worked for General Motors in production his entire life, and my mother was a teacher for her whole life. My parents were like, you need to get a job that gives you a pension. That was, that's what I was told my entire life. So the fact that like I'm starting companies, and I'm originally from Canada, the fact that I left Canada to go move to the U.S., it just baffles them. But um, 
I think that I, I think really what it comes down to is being growing up with a really strong set of values and um, appreciation for people and the planet. And every year we would always go camping in northern Ontario. And I just really developed this love of being outside and appreciation for the outdoors. And, you know, I think that the the what really, really changed me was when I started going over to Asia and and going into factories um, was when I really realized that like the, there are people over here, like these are people that are making our our things. Like we should people shouldn't be dying on the other side of the world to make our potato peelers. That's that those were the pieces like the parts and experiences overseas that made me be like, wow, we need to do something. I think that's true, actually. And I people ask me, too, often why. And I kind of I use the Canadian card as <laughs> as kind of an explanation. But I think like when you were just talking about camping and, and northern Ontario, I think unless you've kind of spent time in places where you can drink the water right out of the lake or right out of the river and, and you know, you can eat lichen off the trees. And, like, if you just have that kind of purity of nature expectation when you go somewhere that does not have that mm-hmm. or where that's been kind of obliterated, you're just so shocked. Like, I've, I've had, I had the same experience when I went to Asia the first time. I was just like, whoa, no. No, we don't do this. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk back about technology because what's kind of what's fascinating to me about what you're building is this kind of technological piece and this interwoven um, thing. So, are you able to give feedback to brands about what like quality assurance and, and some things that you're finding? Yeah, the technology that we're using is actually super fascinating. What the system that we've developed, we capture a ton of data for the brand on every single product that comes into the factory. Every product gets a barcode on it and we build up data about it. And this data aggregates to really fascinating um, information for the brand on product quality, what needs to be repaired, uh, what we had to do to it to fix it. And we are feeding back that information to our brands so that they can improve their design and sourcing. But I think even more exciting is that in aggregate, we're able to tell the brand the kind of environmental impact that they are having based on the data that we're collecting. And so the concept of renewing a product, extending the life of a product, means that you are saving on an environmental standpoint because you're not making something new. And right away, we divert product from landfill. So just in our first six months of, of renewing, we diverted over 20,000 pounds of apparel from landfill. And then we can also um, quantify the amount of greenhouse gas emissions we're saving, the amount of water that's being saved, and the amount of toxic chemicals that are being saved by renewing product instead of making new stuff. And so since you brought up Carbon Footprint, is this solution really only for American-based brands like or North American-based brands? Are you planning to kind of roll it out to other continents or are you going to start importing um, excess from other continents into your organ plant? We see this as something that's like very uh, localized to where the product actually is because that reduces both time, money, and environmental impact. Uh, so... The Oregon uh, Renewal Facility is our first one, and we'll be expanding, building more renewal facilities around the U.S. 
and then um, also expanding into Europe because obviously there's distribution centers over there. And so the idea really is to capture the product where it is and renew it for the market that it was intended to be sold in. Amazing. And you can't always renew it, right? Like, so one of your, um, one of your visions or one of your, what is it? Oh, it's your tagline. Responsibly manage the upcycling, downcycling, and recycling in order to optimize the resources already invested in the garment. For those who don't understand what the difference is between those three, can you kind of say what the difference is and then how that kind of applies to the business model? Yeah. So renewing is when we get a product in that we feel like we can put it through our renewal process to bring it back up to a standard that's as good as new and it can be sold back to the customer. And so the customer actually, when they receive it, cannot tell if or what was ever wrong with the product. And then if we can't do that, um, we put the product into what we call our upcycling stream. And in upcycling, the product may have issues um, that we can't necessarily fix, but the material overall is actually perfectly good. And so we collect this material and upcycle designers uh, can come and buy this material instead of having to like search for it online or in thrift stores. So we're actually creating this sort of library of materials that can be used by other designers or we work with our brands to develop, you know, turn pants into tote bags or that kind of thing. Um, And then the third stream is recycling. And so if a product truly is trashed, the jacket's delaminated or it's just totally dirty, we couldn't get the stain out, um, then it goes into recycling. And we aggregate for all of our brand partners um, and sort the product by material composition so that we can then work with textile recyclers around the world to to get that product um, to the right place so that it can be turned back into fibers or yarns for the future. Amazing. And so do you think, can you envision a time when I'll be able to walk into either a branded store and see their renewal, renewed apparel um, um, rack or its own standalone shop? So you can walk into the Lizard Lounge in Portland, Oregon right now uh, and see renewed apparel on on the floor, uh, which is pretty exciting. They're our first store. And then uh, this fall, we'll be launching in store for um, Ibex and Mountain Khakis uh, inside their own stores. And then uh, in January of 2018, uh, we'll be launching with a new retail partner um, across the country. So renewed apparel is coming to stores near you which is really exciting and there is no is there any plan for consumers like you know the i fix it um gives the how to fix any patagonia product ever like is there a point where the consumer has it and it still has life in the consumer's eyes but they want it fixed is there any point where you're going to work directly with consumers right now we um we get a lot of those calls, which is interesting, and we're not really set up to, as an individual repair center. What we do is we help connect consumers to those repair centers in their local area or in the state close by, somewhere close to them. Um, but in the future, I think that what we we see is the ability to help consumers one-on-one actually repair their stuff or enable them to do it themselves. So we're, as we grow, we'll offer a, a, a range of services for customers and also the ability for a customer to give the product directly back to us if they're truly done with it. Oh, amazing. 
Yeah, I think a lot of consumers, too, just to that point in the carbon footprint again, forget that the, the local dry cleaner is also usually a tailor. And so if you are one of the one in seven who can't sew on a button in America, you can take it to your local dry cleaner and they might be able to help you. Um, so I have a few questions because it's our third season. Um, I always want to end with three quick questions. So if your life had a motto, what would it be? I always joke that my life's motto is one egg, one basket. <laughs> okay. And that is, I've always say that's the title of my memoir. I own the URL. <laughs> you do? Of course. Oh my goodness. Um, and what does it mean? I, it's, it's, it just fits across like so much of life, the universe, everything like kind of an all in person. So I'm doing a renewal workshop. Like this is, this is it. I don't sort of, portfolio out my life it's I've got one egg this is my basket for it and then I also think for the world we have one world you know that's our egg it's in one basket we don't have there's no other options here and so um, we have to be like consider that in everything we do Um, I think life really is one egg one basket less multitasking more focus right I love it okay and who or what inspires you uh, I think one of the, the person who inspires me right now is actually my co-founder, Nicole Bassett. Um, it has been an incredible journey to launch this with her and starting a business has, is really, really hard and, uh, it's paved, you know, with a thousand no's and just to work with somebody so resilient has been so helpful and also to see the journey of entrepreneurship through the eyes of a woman has also just totally just opened my eyes it was just it's been really interesting to get her take on our experience through this whole thing and just yeah she blows my mind every day I'm so thankful for her and so this is your second partner in your second startup. Do you have any words of advice on how to, how to be selective or, or what to look for in a, in a really good and inspiring partner? Values. So make sure that you have an alignment of values and talk about what that means. What is your North Star? Like when you wake up in the morning, when you get out of bed, why do you do things? You need to spend a lot of personal time with that that human to understand what gets what motivates them and we actually sat down and did a whole exercise with a um, coach on values establishing where we meet as two people and how that affects the business and so it created the values from which we run the renewal workshop and that's given us a bedrock that we can always refer back to Amazing. And the last question, what's next on your bucket list? What are you working towards? This could be personal or professional. I do have a personal like thing I'm working towards for my bucket list. I'm turning 40 in October, and I've signed up to run the Auckland Marathon. Yeah, on like three days after my 40th birthday. So I've never run a marathon, and I just Googled the one, like marathon closest to my birthday and uh Auckland popped up and I said that's it babe we're going to Auckland (laughs) so that's my big thing oh my gosh so have you started training already 
Well, I do a little running. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I run like 10 miles a week right now. And so, and I do CrossFit. So I'm feeling pretty fit, but I'm going to have to really start to train on uh, starting in July is going to be when I kick in the training for the for the marathon. Wow. And it'll be spring there, right? So it'll you know, be a nice springy run. Yes. And I will need a vacation by then too. Oh, so. that's awesome. <laughs> okay. So how can listeners, so how can um, consumers who really want to check out this, this project, how can they find the Renewal Workshop? They can go to renewalworkshop.com and uh, they can use the coupon code RENEWFIRST to get $10 off their first order. Woohoo! Okay, and now for all the brands that are listening, how do they get on this waiting list so that they can partner with you? And how do, how do people reach out to you? Uh, for any brand listening to this that wants to talk to us, please uh, email us at hello at therenewalworkshop.com and uh, we would love to talk to you. You'll get directed right to Nicole or I and uh, we'll start the process. That's amazing. So I want to thank you, Jeff Denby, for joining me today. Um, thank you to the listeners for tuning into the Heritage Radio Network. You can also find and subscribe to Magnifico Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find great podcasts. And if you like what you hear, kindly give us a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And also a rating. It helps us rank higher amongst conventional fashion podcasts and to push these conversations forward. Have a question or want to be a sponsor or recommend a guest? You can email me at radio at Magnifico and that's magnifico.com. Want to learn more about the Renewal Workshop and hundreds of other stories? Visit magnifico.com. And if you're in New York this week, want to join me at Eco Sessions, my global event series featuring conversations and sustainability? This Thursday, June 8th, we're meeting at Coco Mat, the natural mattress shop in Soho with leaders in sustainable and holistic living to discuss sleep and how life choices could be affecting our Z's. For example, did you know that wrinkle-free sheets are treated with formaldehyde? to keep them wrinkle-free, and that formaldehyde contributes to insomnia. So if you're not sleeping, it might not be you. Maybe it's your sheets. This and other secrets will be shared. Get your tickets at sweetsleepnyc.eventbrite.com or look for links on the Eco Sessions NYC social networks. Thanks for listening, and until next week. for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.